0: Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week three of our series entitled Playbook, which is outlining God's strategy for us as a church. This week, we are led by our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, who will be preaching out of the parable of the talents. Pastor Jared will be speaking on the different responses we can have when we are asked to use what we have been given for God's purposes. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be able to be here with you as we continue this series, Playbook. That play that you just saw was uh, this play drawn up right here. As we keep changing that each week, uh, It was a fake punt play, wasn't it? Great when plays are executed correctly. There's a lot of joy, uh, a lot of joy, and that's what we're talking about here in our series with Playbook. We as a church have a have a strategy as a church. Every team has a strategy. Our church has a strategy. It's not my strategy, not Pastor Robbie's strategy. It's God's strategy. That's what we're going to talk about here today. So glad you're here. My name is Jared. I'm the senior pastor. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for the songs that we can sing about building a fire in us, Lord. I pray that you do build that fire in us here today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you teach us in your word, that we aren't just here as a a body of believers that know you, but we have a, a purpose and plan that you've put in place for us. So be with us here today, Lord, as we talk about how we can get involved. Lord, I pray that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart. And Lord, that we aren't just hearers of the word this morning, but we'll be doers of it as well. And I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. You know, we started the series two weeks ago. We talked about uh, the strategy of the church, and it really comes to us from the Great Commission. It is not uh, something that... I came up with. It's not something that Pastor Robbie came up with. It's something right from the Word of God, right? Commands all the churches to do. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's our strategy. So a few weeks ago, we, we talked about there's, there's different aspects. First, you've got to engage in worship. We've got to understand who the Lord is. We've got to have a relationship with him. Then we engage in worship, right? Then we, last week, Tom Lemon was here. If you were here, we had a great message by Tom Lemon from Word FM, a general manager, and he talked about the idea of maturity. I know Tom uh, got his guitar out and played a song. I think he was trying to show me up, so I'm going to sing a song for you here today. No, I'm not. <laughs> But he talked about maturity, right? It's not that uh, we have an option for growth, right? It's that we do need to grow. And here today, we talk about serving, about getting and using our gifts this morning. You know, I love this parable that we just read. I love this parable that we just read. It's, you know, these, these people, all these different folks, right? They get five, I'm sure you're very familiar with it, but one guy gets five, one guy gets two, one guy gets one. The idea is is wasting time. Are you wasting time in life, right? That's what this parable is about. In fact, there's a parable right before this uh, that talks about wasting time as well. I had thought about wasting time. This week I was reminded as I was standing in my bathroom looking at my faucet. My faucet has been dripping for like five years, right? <laughs> I've been staring at this thing going, I should fix it someday. Someday I will. Uh, someday I'll get there, right? Five years later, right? I had all kinds of excuses of why not. I'm afraid I'm, you know, I'm going to break something. or I don't know. It's just a faucet, right? So finally I said, Deb, I think we need to fix that. She makes one phone call. She's like, yeah, the guy's coming next week. I was like, really? Five years later, that's all, needed? That's all we needed, right? A phone call, huh? So I thought about this week, like how we waste time in life, right? And so I found some statistics on people figured this stuff out, right? How do we waste time in life, right? Where where do we spend our time, right? Here we go. Here's a couple. We spend 27 days waiting for transportation, right? 43 days on hold, three months on a toilet. Unbelievable, right? Four months shaving. Five months we complain. We spend six months at a stoplight in our lives, right? Six months doing laundry. Eight months opening junk mail. Nine months figuring out what to wear, One year looking for misplaced objects. I love this next one. One year men spend staring at women. Somebody figure that out. One year, folks. 1.5 years doing hair. Don't have that problem there, so gotcha. All right, wasting time, right? What? Two two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls, right? Two and a half years watching commercials. Oof, a lot of commercials. Four years doing housework. Five years waiting in line at the store. Six years wasted on social media. Six years we spent eating, right? Seven years we spent lying awake, waiting to fall asleep. (laughs) Eight years we spent shopping, right? Mine's more like two. Uh, Nine years watching TV, right? Some of us do spend different amounts of time on each one of those things, but we've all been there. We can see it, right? Nine years watching TV. Can you believe it? That's what this parable is all about. It's about wasting time. In fact, if you have your Bibles... Matthew 25, one of the things that you're going to find about this is the very first word is again. That's why I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you because you need to understand that this is one, a second parable after a first one. The first one is one that I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon preached on because it's a little different. It's called the parable of the ten virgins. Nobody has ever done a sermon on that that I know of. Um, The idea with that, though, is I'm not going to go through a whole through it here, but what Jesus is saying is there's two parables connected to each other. Connect it. So stay with me. The first one is about the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25. The idea is in that story, there's there's ten women. Five of them are prepared and waiting for the bridegroom to come. Okay, so they get oil, they have lamps, they're ready to go. The other five are just wasting time, right? So... When the bridegroom comes at night, the five are ready to go. They've got oil. They've got lamps to see him. The other five panic because they haven't been waiting. They've just been doing whatever in life that they wanted. They're not anticipating anything. So what happens is the bridegroom comes. They go to the party, right? He shuts the door on the other five that weren't prepared. Okay. She so said, well, that's a fantastic parable. What does that have to do with us, right? The idea is, is that we've got to be anticipating the bridegroom coming, which is Christ. Christ's return. Okay? So we know from Scripture that Christ is coming back. Right? We anticipate that. We're excited for that. And we wait for that. We, we have an anticipation for that. So that's the idea of that parable, that these women were waiting. The other people weren't waiting. They just didn't care, right? These were waiting for Christ to come back, right? Now he goes into this parable, right? He says, again, it'll be like a man. So now we have to talk about wasting time. So now you have one talking about, hey, listen, we wait in anticipation. And the other one's talking about serving. Why would you talk about two? Because there's some people in life that can't wait for Christ to return, who are believers, who know the Lord, and just kind of wait, Wait around for something to happen. We just are waiting. We're eat, drink, and be merry. We're not even paying attention to anything else. What this parable is saying? Listen, it's not about just waiting. It's about serving, getting involved as well. That's the idea of this parable. It's about getting involved. And Paul, in fact, Paul, when he's talking to the church in Thessalonians, Thessalonica, and Thessalonians, he's talking to these Christians because they're so excited they think Christ is going to turn right away that they don't do anything. Right? They're so excited for his return that he, then he ends up telling they're weary and doing good. In other words, they were so focused on his return that they didn't care about using their gifts or talents or anything. They just kind of live life. And some of us do that, right? We're just living life. We're here, we come to church, and we go do our own thing. And this parable really teaches us quite a bit quite a bit about our strategy in fact it trains us that we have a responsibility it shows us we aren't created equal it teaches us that we all have a choice right it also prepares us that we have to be accountable and encourages us that there's a reward to gain that's what i want you to see when we talk about our strategies at church these plays that are executed correctly there's a lot of great things happening there's a lot of joy we're going to see that here but it involves us this morning. I want you to look at this parable. It's not some kind of like surfacing parable. We're just looking outward. It's about you this morning. The decision you make. First, it trains us that we have a responsibility. It says again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted property to them. We all have responsibilities in life. Some of you are starting school in the next few days. Sure, many of you are excited about that. You're going to have responsibilities for homework, right? Your responsibilities for stuff at school. Some of you have a job to go to tomorrow, today. You have a responsibility you have, right? If you have kids, you've got a responsibility to take care of them. We have responsibility with our finances, paying bills. We have responsibilities in life. We know what that looks like. What you have to understand with this passage is that Christ gives us stuff that we are responsible for. This man going on a journey, Christ, calls his servants in, and he gives them something. He entrusts property to them. We all have a responsibility here as Christians. If we know and love the Lord, we talked about engaging in who he is, making him the Lord of our life. Now we have a responsibility in life. It's not just about sitting idly by. This parable also shows that we're not all created equal, though. And I think that's important. I think it's really important. One of the things that I'm going to read to you, um, a different translation than what you have there, because many of the translations, the New American Standard, the King James Version, we use NIV here, but they talk about it as a talent. okay? And it says this To one, he gave five talents of money, it says in verse 15. To another, two talents. To another, one talent, each according to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. I like using this because when I grew up, I thought, because I've heard this before, I thought, oh, they. God gives us talents, right? Like you could ride a unicycle blindfolded. That's a great talent to have, right? So this guy has two. So maybe he can do that while he's juggling feral cats at the same time, right? It's, it's two talents, right? That's not what it's talking about, okay? In fact, talent here is a term of money. That's why in your passage it talks about a bag of gold. You say, well, it's a talent or it's a bag of gold. It's both. It's money. We figure out how much a talent is. We can figure it out from Scripture, it takes a lot of math. It's a little complicated, but we find out in Exodus how much a talent is versus a shekel, okay? In Exodus 38. Then we know when Jesus is talking about a day's wage, he talks about a denarii. So we know that a talent is about, uh, about uh, 10,000 denarii, 10,000 days wage, okay? One talent, 10,000 denarii, okay? So you figure, well, how much is that? Well, if you make $30,000 a year, and you work 260 days a year that means you make $115 a day you take $115 a day one day's wage multiply it by 10,000 you get 1.1 million this guy gets two of them okay so he gets 2 million some dollars one guy gets 5 million right 5 times that's why in the translation it talks about bags of gold this is a lot of money right this isn't like uh, like $1 or $2 or $5. This guy gives these people multi-million dollars. What is the point? God gives you not a one-talent gift, not a two-talent gift, not a five-talent, not a $5 gift. He is, gives you multi-million dollar gift. You are a multi-million dollar piece of equipment, according to God. Multi-million dollar. Some of you would be happy with one bag of gold, right? Imagine getting five bags of gold. But it says that he, they gave each according to his own ability. And why this is important is this. You may say, okay, well, you know what? God created me. He's created me special to do certain things. <clears throat> but I'm never going to be able to fill a stadium like Billy Graham. right? So I'm not going to get involved. So people say, I, I, my, what I could do is so meaning, meaningless that I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to serve because it's behind the scenes, you'll compare yourselves to Billy Graham or other famous preachers or other famous uh, maybe worship leaders and, and, and you just stop doing anything because you figure, well, how, they have more gifts than I do. What you need to understand is what the master said to these servants. If you have your Bibles, look at verse 20. It says, The man who received five brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five. I've gained five more. The master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to few. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two came in and said, Master, you trusted me with two. See, I gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to notice what the master said. He said the same exact thing to the guy with five to the same thing with the guy with two. No change in words. Nothing omitted. Well done, good and faithful servant, he says. What does that mean? It means that he's going to say the same thing to a Billy Graham as he is to somebody maybe working in the children's ministry their whole lives behind the scenes. Well done, good and faithful servant. That means he's going to say the same thing to the great preachers of the day as he will to to the greeters around the church. Well done, good and faithful servant. He's not saying, hey, listen, you got more, so you're going to get more. No, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. No change in wordage. Nothing. Nothing omitted. What does that mean for you and me? It means, hey, listen, don't start comparing yourself to other people. Because God's given each of us different abilities, different talents, different styles of abilities to work. And he's not asking us to, uh, based on what we've been given, he's just saying, use them. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Some people refuse to get involved because they compare themselves to other people. I say it's the furthest from the truth. And I love the fact that he says the exact same thing. When people understand their gifts, they're content there. They find joy there. And at the end of the day, God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. When you look at this, go outside there in the commons, you're going to see this ministry expo. And you'll see this in your service sheet too. All the different ministries we have here at Christ Church. Because we want to give you the opportunity to get involved. There are pages and pages of ministries and then sub-ministries under those ministries for you to get involved. Some are up front. Some are behind the scenes. It doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, as long as you're using your gifts, God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. One of the people that I really admire here at Christ Church on our staff is is Pastor Robbie. Pastor Robbie was here leading us through our, our worship this morning with prayers and announcements. You know, Pastor Robbie's been in middle school ministry for 12 years. You guys say, well, 12 years, that's, that's a lot. No, it's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a whole lot, right? I know many hundreds of youth pastors around the country. And I don't know anybody who's, st- who's been in middle school ministry for as long as Pastor Robbie has. He is the most gifted and seasoned middle school youth pastor in the entire country. Yes, thank you. Why do I say that? Pastor Robbie's not looking to say, well, I'm in middle school ministry. I'd rather do worship ministry or I'd rather um, be um, doing other things. I'd rather be an evangelist going around preaching. No, he understands his gifts and his abilities. He understands how to work with middle school students. His passions and his abilities have collided. And he's done such a fantastic job. He's gifted there. There's many people that are involved in other service around the church that have been doing it for many years to come. Some people are behind the scenes, though, Right? I know on Tuesdays we have a group called the Knitwits. I did not name them that. They named themselves that, right? They knit together prayer shawls, right? What joy. And so when I go to hospital or any of the pastors go to hospital, we're able to give these prayer shawls out to folks. There's people that just stuff the service sheets on a regular basis on Fridays. So much joy there. Why? Because they realize and they're using their gifts, they want to get involved. They understand they have a responsibility. Different gifts, Same result, well done, good and faithful servant. My question is for you is, do you realize that? Because this parable also teaches us that we have a choice to make. And that's for you this morning. You have a choice to make. If you look at verse 16, the man who received five went at once, put his money to work. So also the one with two, once put his money to work. The third one dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. You all have a choice. Now that we understand that God's gifted us with different gifts and abilities, now you have a choice. A lot of choices we can make on this one, right? You're going to go on that ministry expo. You'll look through this service sheet, and you'll see different ministry. You all have a different choice to make, okay? And if you've been with us, in the past few months, we did a series on character sketch. We looked at different Old Testament characters. One of the things we found out from the Old Testament characters is that God gave them all opportunities, right? And they all had different responses, okay? Remember Jonah, right? Jonah and the whale. Jonah, God says, uh, the Lord came to Jonah, right? Son of Amity. He says, Go to the great city of Nineveh. Preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. Jonah is a normal, everyday guy, right? Here's is, here is what Jonah says. He says, Here I am, Lord. I'm not going. <laughs> right? Yeah, forget it. Uh, if you look at a map, too, <laughs> Tarshish is... <laughs> Uh, Nineveh is right near Israel okay sure Tarsus is near Spain right it's like the furthest you could get away right he says I, I'm going totally the opposite direction some of you will look at this service sheet you'll go to that ministry expo and go no I'm here Lord I'm in worship but I'm not doing anything else right you'll get that nudging to say well maybe there are some opportunities where I can serve and you'll say no somebody I'm not doing that I'm just going to leave encourage you to stay. Think about what's in here. Think about the service opportunities. Again, it's not about trying to lighten our load. We're trying to give you opportunities because we all have a responsibility. Then there's Gideon. Gideon had a a little bit of a different approach, right? If you remember Gideon, Gideon was the guy that he was going to go to war with only 300 people. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, "Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord." Gideon replied, "How can I save Israel? My clan is weakest in the Manasseh, and I am least in my family." So here's Gideon. Gideon gets an opportunity. he says, "Here I am. I'm too weak." Right. Gideon says, "I am too afraid." Too afraid. In fact, when we find Gideon, you know where we find Gideon? Gideon is down in a wine press sifting wheat. You do not sift wheat in a wine press. It's down a pit because you throw wheat up and you've got to let it blow away. He's down in a pit. How hard would that be to do? Why was he down in a pit? Because he was so afraid of being up because he was afraid of the Midianites around him. He is terrified. He's thinking, there's no way. I am too weak to do this. I am scared. What will happen to me? A lot of us have that mindset too of getting involved in serving i'm afraid what if it takes too much time what if somebody asks me a question what if i get middle school ministry and they ask me a question or I, i get in kids ministry and they and then something happens what happens if somebody comes new into the door and asks me about my faith i am too scared too afraid to get involved in any kind of serving opportunities one thing great as we find these character sketches is god made these ordinary men and women added a supernatural ability for them to do amazing things That's the faith and trust that you need to have. That was Gideon's response. Moses had another response. You remember Moses at the burning bush? Exodus 3 says, So now go, I am sending Moses, you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Here's Moses' response. Here I am, send someone else. Okay? Because he goes on to talk about send Aaron. Send Aaron. He could speak better. Send somebody else. He could speak better. They're better at this than I am. Send somebody else. We sit, we will sit there. Some of you are sitting with your spouses and go, you know what? I'm not good at this, but you would be really good at this serving opportunity, right? I have volunteered Deb for many things in my life. Um, but we say, you know what? I'm not gonna go involve I'm not gonna involve myself in this. Somebody else. You've been through a divorce and you realize we have a divorce care here. People that are helping other people go through some tough times in life. You say, you know what? Somebody else has been through a divorce. They can help. Or you say, you know what? I, somebody else is going to help in the hospitality ministry or maybe somebody else will, uh, maybe somebody else will get involved in the coffee bar. Uh, not me. Send somebody else. Somebody else that's gifted in making coffee. It has nothing to do with it. It's about serving. We'll train you to do that. Understand all that money is going to Missions. Some of you will say, somebody else, I can can sing really well, but I don't really want to get involved in worship ministry. I can play an instrument, but I don't want to, somebody else will. Hey, listen, that's God saying to you, that's that nudge on you saying, get involved, get involved. Isaiah really had the best response. It says in Isaiah 6, 8, he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Isaiah's response, Here I am. Send me. Isaiah didn't say, uh, here I am, but um, tell me about the pay, God, before I go. God, could you tell me about the time commitment? Could you tell me if it's going to involve me having to move or do something else? Are there benefits, God? Do I get vacation time? Yeah. He didn't say any of that. He just said, God, here I am. Send me. See, a lot of people are afraid because they think, well, maybe if I sign up for something. I'm going to end up being on the mission field somewhere else, and God's going to move me. That's happened to some people, but I can tell you that if it happens, God's going to provide for you, but right now, He just wants you to serve. Don't think about all the things, the what-ifs. You say, like Isaiah, be determined and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me. So the parable teaches us we all have a choice. We have a choice when we have here today some wonderful people that have been in ministry for a long time. And I look around and I see those faces. And I go, man, God's going to look at them someday and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I know some people that are in here right now that have worked tirelessly in youth ministry. Tirelessly stuffing service sheets. Tirelessly helping uh, visit people in the hospital. Tirelessly. And God, I want to encourage you. Thank you for doing those things. Because the Lord's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because this, this parable teaches us that we also are going to be accountable. After, verse 19 says, After a long time, the master returned and settled accounts with them. 24 says this, The man who received one came in and said, I knew you were the one that buried it. Okay, this is the guy that buried it. He, the man who received one said this, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talents. See here what this is what belongs to you, his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I, I harvest where I had not sown, gathered where I have not scattered seed. Called him a wicked, lazy servant. I want you to go back one slide. I want you to notice what the guy said to the master and what the master's reply was. He said, I knew you were a hard man. I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you're not sown, gathering where you're not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out. Here's what the master replied. He didn't repeat, I knew you were a hard man, but he repeated the other part. He said, you wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I'd harvest where I had not sown, gather where I had not scattered seed. What is the point? The master would not repeat something that he knows was not accurate of him. A lot of people think, you know what, God's going to judge me based on what I've done. You know what, God's given multi-million dollar gifts to us, abilities. Is he hard? Absolutely not. Is he infinitely gracious? Yes, absolutely. These guys weren't sons, they weren't family members, they were servants. They didn't deserve any kind of gold. They didn't deserve anything at all. But yet he gives them multi-million dollar gifts. Is he infinitely gracious? Absolutely, Is he a stubborn, hard man? Absolutely not. Why? Because he simply wants us to use them. It was once said that the one servant knew his master. He never knew his master. He should have. He lived under the same roof, shared his address, he knew his face, he knew his name, but he never knew his master's heart. And as a result, he broke it. I wonder if the Lord looks down on folks who, kind of living life, like those... Bridegrooms who are just kind of wasting life, wasting time, and I wonder if it breaks his heart. I wonder if it breaks his heart because I know that there's so much joy when people serve. I know the Lord just wants us to use our gifts. He's given you abilities beyond what you can imagine to to serve. And he just wants you to use them. The question you will have maybe today is, how do I know where to serve? And I'll tell you this, it's the intersection of where your abilities and passions align. It's with the intersection of where your abilities and passions align. God is not going to give you a passion for something that he has, you have no ability to do. He also doesn't give you abilities and then doesn't provide opportunities for you to serve. It's where your abilities and passions align. Some people get kind of frustrated because they think that they want to do one thing and get frustrated because they can't do it. I'll give you an example. There's some people that feel like they really want to be on the worship team, but, and they have a passion for it, but they have absolutely no ability to sing. Right? I, and I say to them, we've said to them, and said, Listen, it's not that you can't do that. It's just maybe that's not where God has you. There's some people that really have a passion for uh, kids' ministry, but have zero patience with kids, Right? Your passions and abilities don't align. Where your passions and your abilities align, that's where you should be. There's people that have wonderful voices, wonderful abilities to play instrument. Your passion, your abilities, and your passion to play align. There's people that I know that love to talk, right? Love to meet new people, right? You, I've had those people in my office. I know they love to chat, right? <laughs> For hours on end. I know that that is an ability you have to meet and talk, right? And you have a passion to meet new people, so maybe greeting is where you need to be. It's where they intersect. Maybe you do have a passion for children, right? And you have the ability to be patient with them and change their diaper and work with them. That's where you need to be in the kids' ministry area. Maybe you have an ability to work with your hands with tools. We have a men's ministry that helps widows, that fixes their cars and their houses. You have an ability and you have a passion they align. That's where you need to be. You all have abilities. We already see that. God's now going to give you the passion. And that's where you need to be. I hope that you can be like Isaiah and say, here I am, Lord, send me. You know, we're going to sing a song here in a moment. It's a great song. Is build your kingdom here. What I want you to think about with this song is we sing the song, build your kingdom here. We're asking God to build his kingdom here. Well, who's he going to use to build his kingdom here? Right? Us. That's why Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. How could you build a kingdom here if you don't use us? If we don't, aren't willing to say, we're going to get involved. So I encourage you, when you sing the song, make sure you believe it. And God's using you. And it could be from being up front and doing all kinds of things up front with people or being behind the scenes. Um, maybe it's stuffing uh, service sheets or in our tech booth. It doesn't matter. It's a matter of being faithful with what God's given you because then he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then there's a reward. There's a reward. You say, oh, there's a reward. Great. The reward isn't a material reward. The The reward is this. It says in verse 23, it says, You've been faithful to a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's what? Happiness. I've never known anybody who's been in serving opportunities that are miserable serving. Once you find that niche where you need to be, there is so much joy there. You want joy in life? You're looking for some joy? Start serving. It's not because we're trying to lighten our load. It's because you have been given a responsibility and a choice. You're going to be held accountable. God's going to use you. And guess what? There's going to be results. Come and share your master's happiness. I was talking to someone this week who was talking about um, the ministry they were in and such joy in their faces. That ministry expo, the people out there, uh, they're hosting the booths, right? There's so much joy in their faces. Why? Because they love what they do. You're looking for joy. Everybody's looking for joy. Every commercial, those years of commercials that we're watching, it's all about looking and finding for joy, right? You want to find some joy, we encourage you to serve. Get involved. You know, the early church in Acts 2 was known for their joy. They ate together in their homes. They were happy to share their food. They were joyful in their hearts. They praised God and they were liked by all people because they were serving together. The early church didn't have much, but what they had was they had joy because they were using the gifts and their abilities, the resources God's given them to serve. That's where their joy came. My encouragement for you. I encourage you. You got a choice when you walk out of here. You can pull a Jonah and leave right away. You could pull a Gideon and say, I'm too afraid. You can pull a Moses and say, somebody else is going to do it. Or you can be like Isaiah and say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we have been given gifts and abilities, Lord. We have passions. Some of us have so many different abilities, and I thank you for them. I pray that you encourage them this morning. Encourage those that are already serving, Lord, that they're doing this for you. It's not about them. It's not about what they get out of it. It's about serving you because you've asked us to. And, Lord, thank you for the joy that comes. Be with the rest of us, Lord, that are kind of waiting behind or maybe fearful of the time commitment, fearful of what it takes to serve, fearful of messing up or screwing up or thinking that somebody else will do it, Lord. You're pressing it on our hearts here today, Lord. We know that's from you. We know the Holy Spirit convicts us, Lord. So help us to be bold and courageous like Isaiah. Say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Thank you for what you're going to do. And I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing?